we are in the middle of a series uh, where we're tracking along with this book written by David Platt. It's called Radical. And today we have Eric Venable who's going to come and open up the word uh, for us today. But the idea of the series is that you have something called the American dream, right? And it's got its values. And then you have something called the kingdom of God, and it has other values. And there are places where these two clash, and they're different. And instead of just kind of going with the flow, what we're doing during the series is we are identifying places where the values differ. And we're saying, let's really think about it. And there's an invitation to be biblical. Now, it's not, hey, be radical for radical's sake, but it's be biblical for the glory of God, right? And we guarantee you that as you are truly biblical, you're going to wind up looking radical. So we have Eric. Eric, why don't you come up? Eric, the first time I met him, which is maybe like last year or something like that, I just had this great feeling that he was going to be a, a huge resource, not just to me, but to the entire church. Wayne, can we get a little bit more sound? And so since Eric has been up here, he's been up here twice with me, he's been up here on his own. Uh, Eric is he's not a stranger, he's someone that we know, he's a friend, so we can horse around a little bit and, and have a little getting to know you game. What do you guys say? You guys cool with that? Okay, that's, this is great. Let's just put Eric on the spot. I think he secretly enjoys this. I We're just going to put yeah. Eric on the spot. And I came up with a game called Eight for One, okay? Yeah, th this is what he told me when I walked in. I have no idea <laughs> where he's it's going. It's better that way. Trust yes, me, it's I better that way. I okay. have no, no idea. <coughs> so the idea is I'm going to ask you eight questions. Okay. Quick fire, okay? You just got to go. Whatever the first thing comes to mind that's true, you just say it out, okay? Okay. And if you can do it all and give all those answers that are true in one minute, I'm going to give you this Twix bar as a reward. Yeah. See, I'm training Eric to be concise <laughs> with his messages. <laughs> It's it's a Pavlovian. Yes, exactly. Okay, now here's the thing. If if you don't I'm make it in a minute, yes. I'm gonna be on the the sidelines yes. uh, watching oh. you preach and eating this Twix bar. Oh okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. You're ready. Okay. All right. I'm here we go. Oh wait, wait. I'm gonna do my just to make sure you're good with time. <laughs> just make sure my time. Okay. 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 Ready? Okay. Okay. Now after Eric speaks in the fellowship hall. Feel free to ask him about any of these questions. Okay, are you ready? Okay, ready. You tell me Go. Okay. okay, Eric, you are in prison for five years. Yes. And then you get out. Yes. What's the first thing you want to eat? Oh, raviolis. Today is your last day of life. What would be your last meal? Uh, last meal? Yes. Oh, again, raviolis. Okay, yeah, good. That's easy. Well, that's easy. weirdest thing you have ever eaten? Oh, um, a uh, chicken hearts in Brazil. Chicken hearts in Brazil. Yes. What sports did you play in high school? Uh, football and basketball. Uh, favorite sports team now? Oh, um, yeah, 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 Golden State Warriors, easy. When, yes, easy. who doesn't like them? Most when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, veterinarian. Veterinarian. Mm. What is the riskiest thing you've ever done? Oh, um, probably rappelling off of a rusty water tower uh, with, with my own handmade uh, lasso. <laughs> over there. Yeah. I love the last detail. That was great. Yes. Say I love you in as many different languages as you can. Go. You have five seconds. Shatem? Is that? Okay, keep going. That's all I know. You know I love you. Uh, oh, I love you. Okay, yes. very good. He did that Minute in one minute and six seconds. I'm going to keep this. Shatem? 
Yes. Or should I give it to him? Should I give it to him? No, no, I've I've had enough. Yeah. Do people say no? No. Uh, you leave it as a leave it as a carrot, <laughs> so to speak. Okay. The tricks. All right. Um. Yes. I'm gonna pray for you, and then you're off. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, dear Lord, please use Eric, my my friend, my mentor, as your mouthpiece in this moment. May he encourage and inspire us by your power. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Andrew. And, and thanks for uh, your partnership. I feel like. Uh, 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 I am the, just for those of you who don't know, I'm the director of City Team in San Francisco. And City Team, we are a recovery uh, homeless shelter uh, down in the Tenderloin. We're in Oakland, San Jose, San Francisco, and the Bay Area here. And um, CLC has been a really neat uh, partner. Um, uh, in fact, this summer, uh, you gave um, uh, money for us to hire interns. And uh, we have this, uh, not only do we reach out, feed uh, people and reach out to uh, those uh, in uh, our neighborhood that live in the SRO hotels. Um, we also uh, reach out to all the neighborhoods in San Francisco, and, um, and it's kind of gone all over the world. Uh, out of San Francisco, we have about four or 500 groups that meet weekly in Central America. We have this kind of underground way of reaching, uh, of, uh, reaching people that spreads. And, uh, right, and what we did this summer is we hired a bunch of interns to go into certain neighborhoods. So in the Mission and in the Castro, uh, especially in the Castro, there was very few um, event, uh, churches. People come into church plant, it hardly ever works because they're outsiders coming in. Um, and we were able to start uh, a number of groups, a handful of groups, this summer in the Tenderloin because of, uh, uh, because of the interns we were able to hire. Uh, so right now, and then one, another one in the mission. So we have three groups right now out of, out of the interns that we were hired. They went out. They just start. Uh, we had one intern that joined. I'm not kidding. They joined knitting uh, circles. They knit, and they met people that way. And out of that, um, we look for what Jesus said when he, when he sent the 70 out. He looked for persons of peace. And out of those persons of peace, these, these Bible studies have popped up. Um, and uh, so we've run everything out of those from, uh, you know, they've run picnics and things like that, drawing people to yourself to see who, where, where was God already working. So instead of already establishing the work that we think we should be doing there, we go in and pray and pray and pray and wait to see who God is raising. So this is, uh, is full-blown. And there's people who would usually never have any sort of traffic uh, with, any, uh, with uh, any other churches or anybody else of faith. Uh, so uh, that's uh, part of your gift to us this summer was for us to hire a, um, a small handful of interns in 20 hours a week. That was their job. Their job was to go walk around these areas, pray, and, and get involved. And so within that six-week period, uh, we've, I think we have 40 or 50 people meeting right now in these groups. And so, uh, yeah, so you guys, you get credit for all of that. You're welcome. But thanks for, thanks for uh, that very kind gift. Um, uh, I'm excited because uh, I, um, on the side, I actually, um, I'm a, I coach basketball. Uh, I'm a JV basketball coach. And, uh, yeah, so I get uh, freshman boys that think they know basketball, and they're terrible. They're just terrible, terrible basketball players. Uh, they don't know. They, yeah, they've, they've, uh, they're just terrible. So you have to break them, you have to break them of a lot of habits. Uh, my daughter, my daughter actually made the JV girls basketball team. But this is, this is miraculous because I have a house full of girls. She doesn't have any brothers that have ever pushed her. And what happened was she, uh, she came to me about a month or two ago and said, Dad, I think I want to play basketball. 
So I tried to remain very calm, and I said, well, if you want to do that inside, I'm like, oh, she is very athletic, but has never really expressed it, right? She has a lot of fast twitch fibers. She walked young. She crawled young. I mean, she was walking. She was, she was, crawl, she was crawling at like two and a half months old, three months and at five months old, she was pulling herself up and walking fully by seven months. Now, you don't have children, some of you young people. But if you have a seven-month-old who just is just, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home, and they're walking around the house, like her body wanted to go before her mind was there. So she's, she's really quick, really lanky, she's really, uh, and she's never expressed interest in it. So she comes to me and says that, well... A week. So she comes home, she starts working on drills, I start showing her some things to do to get ready, and what ends up happening is that uh, she says, uh, she comes back one day and she goes, Dad, I don't want to play basketball. I go, whoa, 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 what do you mean you don't want to play basketball? She says, well, I talked to some other girls, and these other girls are going out for the team, and I've really never played, and they've played, and, and I'm not going to make the team. So I go, Okay. Well, you know, they still need, it's okay to, no, dad, forget it. I'm not, it's an embarrassment thing. I don't want to go out. I don't want to look bad in front of my friends. So the, what I used to do would be this. Let me sell you. I mean, I want to sell my daughter. Let me pressure you into why you should play. And there's a lot of reasons. I mean, physically, I mean, the, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, any kind of athletics is good for us. Even if we're not athletic, it's good for us to have that experience. Being on a team, if you've ever, you know, working in organizations, you can quickly tell people who have been on a number of athletics teams because you kind of know you, you lead differently when you're the head person. You lead differently when you're the worst person on the team. I've had all of those experiences, right? And you go, oh, oh I know how to play this. Uh, so, so sometimes it's these, and I wanted her to have those experiences. So she came back and she said no. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to push it. God, I don't want to push it. And I did this thing, which has been the most fun that I've had in my faith, is I just turn, instead of thinking about it, I just turn and say, God, if you want her to play, I don't want to force her into it, and I don't know what's best for her. I li- you're her true father, right? I'm here on the ground right now. You're the one who created her, right? You gave her life. You know better than I do. If you want her to play ball, make it. You, you, that's up to you. I'll just... I'll just relax and I won't pressure her. So for two, three weeks, uh, it's dormant. It's the week before uh, the tryouts are coming up. And I go to pick her up at school. And as I get to school, I look across and lo and behold, the JV basketball coach is there. Fortunately, I had coached his son, who again was not very good. And uh, so he owes me a little bit, right? And so I walk, and he waves at me, and I'm like, hey, wait. And as I walk over, I don't even realize my daughter shadows me over to him, and I don't think she knew who he was. So we start talking, and then I go, hey, this is my daughter, Kate. She was thinking about coming out for the team. And he goes, well, we only have about 10 girls out. And as a coach, I go, oh, you need more than 10. 12 to 14 is a great number, right? You got you to gotta have at least 12 to 14. And I'm like, oh, really? He goes, yeah. I go, well, she's not played that much. I'm making her case for her. But she is fairly athletic. And he turns to me and he goes, I've got two girls out right now who've never played, and they're not athletic. They're ter-. Literally, he's this close to saying they are terrible. And, and, uh, and I watch practice, and they are, they, they are out there, and they're giving it a lot of effort. And all of a sudden, yeah, they are, but they're not. And uh, all of a sudden, I can see my daughter light up, and she goes home. And, and now it's on her. 
And it just, it, it, but it hit me, not, it hit me really strongly that this is where our faith is fun because now I'm convinced that God made those connections. And there's three or four other little elements to the story when I was talking and things that my daughter said, but I had, didn't have to push her. God drew her to that place. And, uh, and I think it will be fun for her. Uh, it's pushing her, I think, harder than it's been pushed, uh, than she's been pushed because uh, physically when the first time you go out for a sport. Um, and uh, I bring it up because we're talking about uh, today about good old-fashioned uh, self-reliance. This is so, so big a part of the American dream, relying upon ourselves, right? If uh, in, in our culture, uh, our resumes, what we do, these are the things that sometimes define us the most, right? And so uh, it's easy as a parent for me to push my child into something that I believe will make her look good in the long run, right? Um, and there's this, there's this dilemma we have as believers. And it's almost like um, it's the same dilemma I had as a pastor for years. And here's the dilemma. I, this is what I would say when I was really honest. I would say, we're having a service today. We're having this. We're doing this. And it's going to be good. And we hope the Holy Spirit will show up. But if he doesn't show up, let's still make sure it's pretty good. Right? Let's make sure that the, this happens and that happens, that it moves, that there's experience, that thing, people are having a good time, right? Whatever happens. And at the right time, when the pastor is giving the invitation, the music, this, you know, the sad music comes up, the reflective, you know, in the background. So it's like, was the Holy Spirit here? I think he was. I don't know. I'm not sure. It felt like he was. I felt, I felt, I felt bad inside. Is that a good thing? You know? So, uh, but this is kind of the, the thing. Well, this is what happens in our, uh, what happens with, a lot of believers, right? God, I want to trust you for my future, right? I'm going to go that way as hard as I can towards making sure I have a great career. And then we ask God to bless that, right? And what ends up happening is usually we have, when, when, we, when we meld, right, that, uh, we meld our faith and that American dream of making sure that our careers, that our life, that things... When we meld those things together, our faith always, always suffers. It's really not the way, uh, it's not the way God designed us to work, right? And it's such a fine line because our struggle in faith is not usually choosing. It's not sin management. You know, should I obey God or, you know, should I, you know, embezzle money from my company? Ah, oh, let me think. Embezzling money would be fun for a while, but it could send me to jail, right? This is not usually, it is these places that God oftentimes wants to come in and bless in our lives, our children, our friendships, our relationships, right? Our marriages, our careers. But what happens is when we get out in front of him, the American dream says, no, 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 get out in front of God. Make sure that you secure it. And for some reason, in the short term, it, uh, it, it oftentimes can allow us to feel, it, gives us, it can give you a feeling of security, and it's a false security, right? Um, for years, I operated certain ways within, um, uh, within the uh, positions and, and jobs that I've had. And now I work down in this terrible neighborhood, and it's just everything about my position now is chaos, when people go, how's your job? I go, it's fun. 
But I will plan my day, and never, ever does it go according to my plan. I used to plan my days, and it would go according to plan. I would, you know, I'd plan my work, I'd work my plan, I'd do all those things, right? I'd make appointments, I'd be on schedule, right? I would leverage all my time greatly. I'd make sure that all the... I will come into work going, I'm going to make these calls, I'm going to make these things, I'm going to have these appointments, and you get down into the tenderloin, and... Um, Everything is up for grabs. Nothing ever works the way it's supposed to work. There's always an emergency, and then there's another emergency about another emergency that you haven't learned. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Something's leaking over here. Yeah, we need to evacuate the building, right? They'll come down. I'll get there. I'm not kidding. Last week, you walk in, and they go, hey, Eric, yeah, yeah, we have bed bugs. What are we going to do? I'm like, uh, ask them to leave. I don't know. What, what, what do we do, Right? Upstairs. Okay, so we're fumigating the rooms. Those guys have no place. What, you know. So it's always something you did not see coming. And what God has sneakily done in my life is that all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what God wants to do today. My stuff was terrible. This is good. Right? And it's always within that, within the surprises during the day, that somehow that is where God wants you to be. And what I have found is I will have, and if I'm just being honest, I'll have meetings. I'll have meetings to uh, plan that I might have to get out of. Like I should have been at that meeting. And as long as I'm somehow trying to obey God and what he's put in front of me, it's like everything else takes care of itself. So this is always the struggle is will that self-reliance, right? Will, um, will you rely upon your own strength? And this is the theme. This is one of the huge threads through Scripture. Especially in those, those in-between areas, right? That we take the reins and say, God, great. Thanks for getting me this far. I got it, right? Um, and so, um, you know, our, um, we have all these church planners all over the world and um, that start these sort of viral small uh, things that I was talking about. Uh, we have them all over Africa. We've reached, I think we've shared a little bit with you, how many Muslims over, over the last five or six years have come to Christ? Uh, hundreds and thousands through this method. Um, it's a lot of fun, but all of our church planners and their stories are amazing. They will all, they all say the same thing, and their expression is this. When God does something, they say, we dare not touch his glory. They always say that. I mean, miracles happen. And, um, you know, great stories, and they never become the focus of the story, even though they're embedded within it. They go, no, 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 this is God. This is not me. And once that we have that relationship with God, once we can have that within our heart of hearts, that this job is not my job, right? This, my children are not my children. This marriage, God, you want to, I don't need to try to control whatever that is. That's when God starts to do the things that I believe he wants to do in our life. This is how Jesus said it in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. And the difference in faith is doing faith, loving God, wanting to do his will, but still holding control, still saying, no, 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 I've got this, right? I'm going to build my, I've got my own dreams. Is what ends up happening is we become exactly what Jesus says. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. If your faith feels like that, this might be the recalibration that you need. But Jesus goes, no, 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 I'm the branch, you're the vine. Apart from me, none of God's works are coming in your life. So there is this authoritative structure within families, within our lives that God is always looking to. And he says, by the way, come under me, let me lead. And the thing that we often forget is this is not a boring, this is not okay, you know, this is, this is not academic that uh, God, uh, God has tremendous personality. And so when he does things, he does it in such a way that there's no other explanation. There's no way you could take credit for it. Uh, and this is what he, 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 uh, he revels in. This is what he loves to do, right? I don't know how we made God into an old grandfather figure, Right? that we sometimes talk about him in these terms, like, you know, he's good, but you know, sometimes he's a little sleep of the wheel, right? But, but, um, but no, just take you through the themes, some of the themes in Scripture, right? Gideon, right? You're going to go fight this huge army. And what's God come to him and say constantly? You have too many men. You've got to whittle it down. It's got to be less. Okay, how about now? No, even, even fewer, even fewer. Why? Because there's got to be no understand, there's got to be no no confusion about who's going to do this. Over and over in Scripture, Mary, yes, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, out of wedlock. The whole thing is messy. Why? Because people will need to know that I was in this. It's me leading, not you. Right? Joshua, yeah, okay. Don't go to war, just walk around the city. What? Yeah, just walk around the city. We're going to look like fools. I know, it's going to be really fun. Okay? In the last day, do it seven times. Right? Over, right, over and over and over. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt, one of the most powerful armies in the world. And what happens? God defeats them. Right? I mean, there's no other explanation that God, God's saying to his people, I'm, I'm with you. I am going to be with you. Almost every story in Scripture that we love to tell is the theme that God takes everything. And this is what he wants to do in all of our individual lives. His desire is for, uh, for him to go ahead of us that there is no other explanation. And usually we want him to put it on display for the nations. But usually what he does, it's for you and the small group around you that you can go, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe this. Right? Over and over. And what he does is God loves building that your faith and our affection towards him. We can trust him with more and more things in our life. But we can't do that until we place it down. Uh, probably one of the key stories in this, in, in, in this sort of American, right, that Protestant work ethic, you know, I'm going to work, get ahead, and then God really bless what I'm doing, is the story of Abram. You know, God comes to Abraham and he wants, he makes him these promises and then he takes them out, and the Abrahamic covenant is the, is the covenant that holds so much of Scripture together, Jesus being the fulfillment of being a blessing to all nations. And he says to this childless man, 
Look up at the stars and count them if you can, right? That's how many your descendants are going to be. So he sees it and says, great. And we don't know how much time passes, but he's old. (laughs) He goes, well, I guess I I need, since my wife won't bear children, I'm going to need to do it on my own. And he has a child, right, through, through, his, uh, through his wife's maidservant. And God goes, that's not the child of promise. And out of my love for you, I'm still going to bless him. But that's not the way we do it. I'm going to give your wife a child. And she laughs. They're like, no way, you know. And I'm like, no, you just named your child. <laughs> he laughed, right? Yeah. And they have Isaac. And they go, this is the child of promise. God tells us sometimes what he wants to do. And we go, I got it, God. Great. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I, I, got, I don't need your help anymore. No, he goes, no, you don't understand. No, I'm telling you just because I want you to understand the direction you're going, right? You're not driving the car. I'm driving it. And so, so much of what happens is often in our faith, what we're doing in that self-reliance is we're walking in our own direction and we're saying, God, come bless what I'm doing. And God goes, I love you, but I can't bless what you're doing. I'm really excited about what's happening over here. Why don't you come over here? I love you. I love love what is happening, but I'm not, I can't bless what you're doing over here. So the word that, that Jesus uses is the word repent. Now, sometimes repent sounds like a word that is, um, uh, harsh, but really what it means is this. It means to turn and walk the other way. It doesn't mean to, it doesn't mean to have deep sorrow. I mean, you might have it, but that's not really part of repentance. Repentance is like, oh, I get it. Boom, I'm walking this direction, right? That's really what repentance means. And so what God calls us to, it's not shame. What are you doing? You're doing things your own way? You are terrible. Like, you, know, you're, you think this is going to work? Right? And this is why all through scripture, God goes, blessed are those that understand, right, their lowly position. And this is the one thing that working with those who have less has really helped me see addicts is that they know that their way is not working. We all know their way isn't working. How you doing? Uh, well, I'm 55 and I'm in recovery, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So you want to walk in your own direction? No, no, I've done that. That's terrible. Right? So they pray differently. Um, and they don't think about building. They, they don't even, some of them don't get two or three steps out. We, we have these elaborate plans, right? You know, we have people that plan our retirements. That's how good we are, right? Hey, God, we help you provide. But if you don't provide, I got, I got people, right? I got investments. I got things, right? Uh, but it's just, it's so much fun when you go, God, you take care of it. I'm going to go in my own direction. I'm going to go in, in your direction, right? Um, I, I think I told this story before, but it was just, God really put on my heart on the drive over. Uh, I, was, um, I was buying something on Craigslist um, up in Marin. And I went up to meet a guy with a brand new, um, you know, gas grill for my kitchen. And, um, and I got it. It's great. Uh, it was a great deal. I can still works fabulous today. That's side point. And, um, and what happened was, is that as I'm leaving, there's this construction guy and he is construction guy. That's what he does. You know, he's a big guy with big truck, you know, big arms, everything. And, um, he is, he's actually with a scratcher. He's got like a, you know, you know, a lottery scratcher. 
And I get in my car to take off, and I hear the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't do this all the time, so I know when he speaks. He's like, talk to that guy right there. And I look at him, I'm like, no, I'm not talking to that guy. <laughs> he has nothing to say to that guy. You know, I'm afraid he, you know, I'm a little intimidated by him. He's like, no, no, talk to him. And I get in my car, and I'm like, la, 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 I'm on sports radio, There's something, right? And I start pulling out, and I look back, and he's like, you sure don't want to talk to him? I'm like, no, it's, yeah, it's not you. And I start going, I literally, I start driving down the road, and I start going across the bridge to get on to, to, to 101 to head south. <laughs> and, 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 and then it, and, and the Holy Spirit gets louder. And he literally says to me, how far do you want to drive before you turn around? I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Right? I'm going my own way. I'm literally going my own way. And what happens is that I turn around and I go back and the, and, and the big truck and the big guy with the big, he's gone. And, uh, and I'm like, okay. And I just said, you know, God, I'm sorry. I, I thought that might've been your voice. I probably knew it was your voice. I wasn't responsive. I'm sorry. And, uh, and I sat there in my car and I just, you know, I just said, God, I, I should have been more responsive. Lesson learned. Um, and then I looked to the car next to me, which was this green Acura and there's this huge Bible in it. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I said, okay, so I got out of the car and went inside, and there's one guy working at the AMPM uh, or Chevron there, yeah. And uh, the guy working, uh, Hispanic guy, and I said, hey, um, so of course I come right out. Is that your car? Yeah. Is you, you got a Bible in the front? Yeah. I go, are you a follower of Jesus? I go, yeah. And I looked at him and I said, okay, does God talk to you? And his eyes got big, and he goes, yeah, all the time. And I go, Tell me about it. So, uh, no joke. He goes, okay, uh, but I got to put hot dogs on that rolly hot dog machine. <laughs> Let's go. So, I'm walking with him as he's putting hot dogs. This couldn't be more real. He's putting hot dogs, and he starts telling me things. He goes, yes, God will speak to you. But often when he says something to you, it takes a while. He's just telling you he won't fulfill it for a long time. He just wants you to start looking for what he's going to be doing. I'm like, fair. I mean, I'm taking notes, right? So we talked for about 10 minutes, and he's just telling me, I mean, just nugget after nugget after nugget. And it was just at the point where he was done, and I was asking him questions. And all of a sudden, the conversation stopped ending, and three people walked through the door. And I realized no one had been in that store for the 10 minutes. And then two people that were also working there came out the back. And I looked at him, I said, I think we're done. His name was uh, Juan Carlos. And I just thanked him. I go, thank you, brother. I needed to hear that. Sometimes God will send you places for, for, uh, for you to, you know, I used to think, oh, I go places to tell people things, right? But instead, God goes, no, 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 you go places and you shut up and I'm going to tell you things. I'm like, okay, I can do that. But, um, but it was just that picture, right? That the, fu- it was, it, I needed to hear something and God wanted to tell me it. That God wanted to show me something, and it was good. And I thought it was about something else. I was, I was a little bit fearful. I thought that I knew better, right? This is a huge theme in my life. But I, I tell you this because, um, because what God's desire is always is with us is this deep intimacy. The American dream can rob us of that deep intimacy, and we can just be okay with the facade of faith with God, you know? And only when emergencies or tragedy strikes do we go into it. 
But what God says is, no, I want to walk with you. It's the picture of the garden. We're always trying to get back to the garden of Eden, that God walks with them in the morning and at night when there's perfect harmony, right? And, uh, and they know his voice. And that's God going. God's, God also is always wanting to get back to the garden with us. And ultimately, that's, that's his plan. That's his goal. All throughout, all throughout the um, Old Testament and in the New Testament, we have the same thing. Uh, we have the same thing said over and over, and it's this: God says, uh, "God says they will be my people, and I will be their God." Right? He wants that type of relationship with you and I. And when we push God off, saying, "God, I think I know better. I'd like your general guidance, but I'd like to, I'd like to build my own little kingdom here." Right? I'd like to build my own Tower of Babel. That's what that whole picture was. And God says, nope, that doesn't work. And so what he always says, Jeremiah 24 says this, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all of their hearts. And this is when God is sending them into exile. And he, why is he sending them into exile? To get their attention so that they would be his people and God would be their God. The last thing we see in scripture, Revelation 21, the fulfillment, this has not yet happened. It's the same picture. It's God's same desire for you and I. It says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And it says, he who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Ultimately, ultimately, this is God's, this is what heaven is, is God saying, I will be, I will be their God. I will be your God. You will be my people. And that's why following him is we can never get that rearranged where God, you, you follow me. And I go, there's no, God's not there. And the reason why, the reason why we do, why that has to happen is because when we call God into our own thing, it, we, God becomes subservient to us. So even in good things, right? Even whether it's going to school, choosing a career, having a family, getting married, whatever it would be, as soon as we say, God, do this this way for me, God goes, wait a minute, now, now I'm serving you. And guess what happens? If I fulfill that good thing you've asked me to do, if I fulfill it, you actually will move further away from me. And I can't have that because I want this. I want the closeness. I want you to rely upon me. And so without, without giving that over to God and letting him make the decision. And sometimes doing things that are completely uncomfortable for us. When we ask God to come in in a very safe way, what ends up happening is that God goes, look, I want to help you in this, but that is going to, again, move you further from me. That's going to move us out of position. And instead of you relying upon me as your God, as a creator, and you and me being close... And that you could know that you could trust me deeper and deeper, that your affection for our Father would grow deeper. What ends up happening is that we become more prideful. And sometimes it's very subtle. 
we become more self-sufficient, right? It feels good to have a lot of money in the bank, almost like it's security. It's not security. So God says, no, 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 come to me. Give it all to me. Um, and that's why God says we, that's why God says, turn and, and follow me. So how do you do this? Well, there's a number of ways, right? Being a community of believers um, that would help us turn and repent, right? All the time to, 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 to catch our thinking, right? To have people say, have you prayed about it? Have you, have, can we gather around you and pray? And just that fact that you have other people around you to do that is, is amazing because all of a sudden you went from, I'm going to do this great thing to, wait a minute, I, I'm, I might be ahead of myself here. And again, there's so many things that God wants to, wants to uh, I believe, do in your life. But he only does it when we actually come back and surrender him. Oftentimes, prayer is the thing that allows us to wait. And what we find over and over again, we've been praying for places like the Castro in our ministry for Muslims, for things like that. We have been praying for years. And what happens is, is that sometimes you have to pray long and hard enough to where you take your hands off of it, right? Rather than jumping in and saying, okay, God, if you're not going to do this like Abraham, okay, I'll figure it out. And so this is the, this is the but it's, that's where then God shows up. And God does things that we would have never imagined. Um, and that his purposes, um, uh, his purposes become... Uh, more defined. They become more defined. All of a sudden you realize that he has a bigger thing. I had a friend do this with his company. And he tried to sell his company. He had, he had started three companies and all of them had failed. And the last one, he finally said, God, you do it. And just at the last second, when he was two weeks from saying, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, a company came in and admittedly, he said, it had nothing to do with me. Why? Because they paid way more than they should have. And, um, and there's a lot more to the story. But now it's just that place where you say, God, I will give it to you. I will t- keep my hands off of it. Um, the first step is this. What are the areas in your life that you need to turn and say, God, I, I've been trying this on my own. And it's a good thing. God, I've been taking credit for this. You know what? You're the one who gave me all these things. And I realize that I've taken credit for this. God, I realize that I'm doing this with my family, with my children, with my, with my wife or husband. God, I take my hands off of it. I surrender it to you. Right? As we pray, let's just, I'm just some time to be quiet and ask God that question. And give it to him knowing that he's a good God who loves you and he wants to be close to you. So what would it be? Father, we surrender ourselves to you. Even things inside of us that we don't know. Holy Spirit, would you just show us? Show us the things that we're holding on to. And would you allow us to understand, allow us to be able to put them down at your feet, knowing that you're a God that is so much more capable. We want to see you work on our lives. We want to see your personality in full, on full display. 
thank you that you love us. Thank you that you tell us that you will never leave us. Father, that your plans are bigger than we could ever, ever conceive of. And let us go forward in these areas, in every area of our life, following you, not leading. And Father, we just, uh, we repent that too often in our culture, we celebrate that independence. We like the pats on the back. We like to give our titles, talk about where we live, all of the above, Father. Every good thing has come from you. Thank you that you're patient with us. And I pray, Father, for my friends here, my brothers and sisters. Would you give us just a holy desire to be close to you and to be able to trust you with all of the things that we hold dearly in our life. And we pray this in the name and power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.